Welcome back. This is the second half of Arcade Radio Season 3, Episode 8, with special guest Ben Gold. In the second half of this episode, Ben concludes his story about contacting Williams, and we find out more about his relationship with Atemo, Iowa, Walter Day, and the gang he stood with for the 1983 Life magazine shoot. Let's spin this up. Here we go. And so anyway, so the story goes like this, that, that finally it was in the summer of 1982, um, I had the, I was doing my you know um, my score and there was this guy named Connell who we were playing Stargate and if you know Stargate is like Defender oh yeah but Stargate is a marathon game okay so I don't know if you guys know the difference in marathon and the other games but the, the marathon game in the in the gaming world was you get a free man every ten thousand points if you can average ten thousand and one point you know then you you could um, or let's say fifteen thousand per man. You could build up to 255 ships. You get the 256, it would go to zero because of the uh, the, the glitch. So a marathon game, you just kind of uh, played and um, and and you know. And so the first thing happened was he got like two million points. So I wanted to show him who's boss. So I went to his arcade and I got four million. <laughs> and I'm just like, ha, kicked your ass. Then the next week I come and he gets six million. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So it got to the point where I, I went to that guy's arcade and I played from morning to evening, got, you know, 14 million, right? The next week he comes to me and he goes, I got 17 million. Whoa. And I just said to myself, okay, this is a freaking waste of time. <laughs> Even if I'm a devoted gamer, I don't really, I'm not that passionate about staying on a computer just for the hell of it. Sure. So I called up um, Williams and said, hey, what's the world record on this game? And they said, we don't know. But there's this guy in Atemo, Iowa named Walter Day, and he'll tell you what it is. Okay? Wow. So that was that literally was like, so if you can imagine, I've been sitting here wandering the wilderness for two and a half years, you know, wondering, am I alone? And, and what, what, my how old were you at this point? 15. Yeah. Just about to turn 16. And everyone's parents thought I was a nutcase. This crazy guy who plays video games. You know, I mean, if you wouldn't believe the parents, what a waste of time. What's going to ever happen with that? That's There's just no no future. What are you doing? You know, why are you letting, you know, my folks would get people, other parents, that, why are you letting your, your, your kid waste his time and money on those stupid things? I mean, that was basically the philosophy. And I am... Um, Went and um, and I. You called call, you called Walter. I did call Walter, and we and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, it was like talking to you know, having this this conversation with your long lost uh, twin brother. Or yes. <laughs> I had him on the phone for over an hour. The first. Oh, time. that's awesome. And I'm like, I'm like, what the heck, um, you know, is the world record on this game? And he's like, well, this game, there's this, you know, and he would tell me about all the other players. You know, there's this guy, Billy Mitchell. There's this guy, Steve <laughs> Sanders. There's, um, you know, he told me about Tara, Todd and Eric. And so he built them all up. He was a very good storyteller. And, you know, I was like, no, but wait, what's a high score on Tempest? And he would say, it's, you know, this or this. And I, and he, um, and uh, so I said, okay, Walter, what's the high score on Millipede? I mean, on uh, Stargate. And he's like, it's 36 million. And I said, okay. I said, that's about a day and a half. I said, I'm going to go set the world record next weekend. Okay. And he's like, oh, really? Good luck. Good luck. You know? <laughs> wow. He's like, you uh, cocky, okay, no. set a, you cocky SOB. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> he's like, go ahead. Do it. So what happened was, is that I talked to the arcade. I said, can you stay open overnight? 
So I went on Saturday morning at nine o'clock, put my quarter. Uh, which which arcade? It's called Pro Video. Okay. It doesn't and it's in a place that that uh, doesn't exist anymore. Sure. I mean, it hasn't been hasn't been it only was open for maybe a year and a half, two years. Okay. Um a great arcade. I, I, I like the um, I had a great experience there. So I put my quarter in and um, and you know, and I played and I remember doing the first all-nighter. My, my dad stayed up with me, and I had a bunch of people. I mean, it was really a big deal. Like, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but my whole sure. school knew about it. So so it was like all my 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 college, high school friends were there. My folks stayed up all night. Even my grandma was there, you know, with, a, with like her chair. <laughs> you know, like there's got like a lawn chair to sit and watch me. And, you know, it was funny because I, I thought of how ironic it was that I went from that time in 1989, 79, where I was um, sitting there with that Space Invaders and jumping up and down to finally being that person in front of the game where everybody else was jumping up and down to watch. <laughs> so <laughs> that was uh, that was kind of funny. And um, I just remember that uh, I did it for... Um, um, uh, did it for, uh, about a day and a half. And I just remember as we were getting about, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon on, on Sunday, I had beaten the score and, um, and then I told everybody, I go, this screen looks green. Haven't, isn't it's turned green. And everyone's going, no, Ben, the screen's not green. <laughs> and I, I knew that when I got to 40 million, it's time to just stop. <laughs> so I stopped. Uh, went to the, uh, the arcade owner was there and my folks were there and we called up Walter and said, Hey, I just set the world record. He goes, great. Let me talk to the owner. So he talked to the owner, talked to my dad, talked to me and he said, good. You have the world record. Yes. Goodness. <laughs> you know, I love back it. In the, back That's in the so day great. When, what? That's so great. Dude. Isn't that funny? You know, yeah. all, and I had the world record. Mark, did you, did you have a follow up question to this? Yeah. So your parents, like how, how much support did they give to these habits? I mean, this sounds pretty, (laughs) pretty, you know, it sounds like they're really into it. Well, you know, what happened was, is that they, and I guess that's the thing about how to raise your kids. And I'm kind of like that myself. I've taken their element where your kids have passions. Most of their passions are going to lead to dead ends, but just let them follow their passions. Because if you try to stop them from that, you know, like, like I wonder letting my kids stay in front of the computer and watching YouTube and making YouTube channels and all that stuff. Is that wasting their time or are they preparing themselves for the next generation? Because that's what everybody else is going to do. I don't know. To me, you know, maybe a YouTube channel would be kind of a waste of time for me personally. Or I, I have one with my old videos, but like I mm-hmm. don't have it's just I don't you know what I'm saying I don't have that passion yes. to do yeah. to do what you guys do for example I mean I now I look at it and I'm thinking God I wish I had some subject that I could talk about every two weeks or <laughs> or whatever or, or dude and, I don't I don't have show, a subject every two weeks I just call people and say do you want to be on the show and hopefully they say yes <laughs> we're just really you know. self important we think that people will actually like want to hear the news. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, this is a really good point. Is they they basically said, "Let me do, let me let let it play out to the end," which they did. They 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 let me they let me go on the the the, the way up and the way down, and I actually chose to get out of it myself without any of their um you know there was really no other um they didn't really have to push me out for any reason they just let me kind of run on my own steam, which was good because I I do that with my kids. I want them. I want to, I give them guidance. I'll nudge them. I'll tell them when I think they're crazy. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's their life, you know? And, and if you, if you say you can't do this, then 
are you really doing a favor? You're making them hate you and they're making and, and et cetera. So, so my folks did a really good, I, I would say they did a really good job on that. And you know, what they did was, and I'll tell you where they made a really important decision was, you know, Walter talked to my dad and then I was talking to Walter and he says, Hey Ben, there's this thing happening. You know, life magazine is going to be doing this photo shoot with all these other players. And I think you should be there. So my dad, who, when I told you he collected comic books, he also collected first issue of every single magazine. So he had the first issue of life. He was a totally a memorabilia person. So for him, it's like, oh, my son can get into Life magazine. Well, hell yeah. Um, so they let. So just so you know, when I set the world record on Stargate, I started on when I was 15, and my birthday was on that Sunday. So I so I finished when I was 16. So uh, so I, so 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 my dad let a 16 year old kid fly to a town and the, back in the day there was a direct flight, but you had to go through Chicago. So I flew to Chicago by myself, had to go to the other side of the um, uh, O'Hare Airport to catch the uh, commuter plane. Uh, so it was uh, it was a really uh, so that was really interesting. So I remember and it's funny because I, I don't remember it as clearly as Billy, uh, because Billy has this uh, whenever you ever do get him on your show, he's got this this photogenic memory like he remembers every freaking detail. Oops. I remember the broad <laughs> outlines of stuff. He's like, Ben. Do you remember who was there at the airport to greet you? Do you remember what you said when you got off the airport? Do you remember what you said on the way to uh, to the arcade the first time? Like, hell no. I don't remember any of that. Wow. And he's like, well, I remember that because Walter drive, you know, Walter and I picked you up and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, which you'll use against me, by the way. So don't listen. Don't believe everything you hear if you do get them on your show. Okay. Um, <laughs> hey, so as, as a matter of fact, segueing into this. How many times did you end up visiting Otomwa, and wh- what were your experiences with that with that that first Life magazine shoot? So the Life magazine shoot was like meeting meeting my brethren, my fellow yes. nutcases, and I said, you know, uh, when you meet enough crazy people in a room, and then you say, well, are we really crazy? No, we're just very passionate. So what I did was I met people on a different level. So now all of a sudden, I couldn't be the best at everything. Okay. Okay. You know, I mean, Todd Walker. So I would argue that at the time, Todd Walker was the best player. So if you just said, who could walk up to any game and basically be, get, you know, as, as, as Todd would say, the second best score, you know? So Todd basically learned every game really well. He learned the cutesy games. He learned the, the shoot em up. He didn't matter what the game was. He was good at it. So that was to me, to me, you know, I call that the best as far as raw talent. Then you had people who could specialize. Like I, I understood that I was not going to be the, I was not going to set any records, nor did I really care to for Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr. or Pac-Man. I mean, those kind, I mean, I played them, they were cute, but I didn't really get into them. But I focused on the, on my best, on my skill set, which was the Millipede, Centipede and those games. Um, and, uh, and I, and that really helped me to, um, to become really good. As a matter of fact, I noticed there was a, a gameplay tips for Millipede. I'll get into that in a second if you're oh. still on Andy. Um, but, uh, the, um, you know, and Millipede was one of my favorite games, but the idea was that, that, um, I finally met people who felt the same way that I did about gaming, you know, and that was, that was in itself really, really cool. Um, and so, 
after Life magazine, the the video game manufacturers didn't have a chance. You know, as far as we were all kind of working separately. But then when a new game came out, I'd be on the phone with Billy, with Steve Sanders, um, Steve Harris. Uh, you know, we would sometimes get these conference calls. I would call Darren or Chris Steele now. We would talk and we would literally talk about a game. The next day we go play it. We come back and we would break it in like a week, you know, because it was kind of our way of networking. What might have took us a month or two months as a as a um you know, separately, we were able to just say, okay, here's a new game. Right. These were the tricks. And we would figure it out very quickly. So, uh, Atama was a turning point for you. I mean, it was... It's, it, it was. And it's weird because it's like this little place in Iowa that nobody goes to. Still, nobody <laughs> goes to. But... I want to stop for a second and ask you, uh, and this is because I read uh, an article by the, the Dallas Observer, and they have a, they have a great article detailing your adventures as an arcade wizard, and that's what people called you back in the day. And by the way, Billy, uh, I think in Chasing Ghosts, maybe, yeah, Chasing Ghosts, he he's like, there's no better player than Ben Gold. Like, Billy Mitchell endorsed you. You. Uh, yeah, so let's... Let's just say I, I love I love that you're humble, but at the time, dude, you were the guy. So in particular, there's a story <laughs> about the 1953 GMC bus in this article uh, that was oh, yeah. a, that was acquired by uh, you know to transport the U.S. national video game team. U.S. national video game team that must have been so enticing. So uh, and he was, was going to drive you around the country, and you're going to do you know you're going to do what. Walter, you know, had in mind. So uh, the bus breaks down. Can you tell us the story of the U.S. NVGT adventure from your point of view, and and, and just tell us what you remember from that? From well, that. if you want me, to, let me let me finish with the that's incredible. Oh, yeah, that yeah. stuff because it's very important. Yes. I can get to there because what happened was is that. Um, and I'm happy to, to kind of I can gloss over the other stuff. We can go back to it, but sure. from from a t- from Life magazine, then we were called back to do That's Incredible. Yeah, and and then when That's Incredible opportunity came, I was able to. So uh, so the U.S. national video game thing came after Life uh, after. Oh God, yes, yeah. so that was the last thing I did. Oh, okay, okay, I, I I didn't mean to jump ahead. So you go ahead. Yeah. So, because because well, chronologically, the things I can tell you that are interesting was the the that's incredible pre match. So the one that was a, was a qualifying match. Twenty of us came to that was like at the end of December. Um, we did a weekend in Atumwa, twenty people, and they took the top three who were going to then go in February to uh, Los Angeles to compete on that's incredible. Then there was then there was the that's incredible competition. Um, then there was kind of all of these different events after that. Um, and then there was a summer where I spent the first part of the summer with, uh, with Eric, Eric Jenner and, uh, Todd Walker. And I literally spent six weeks with those guys, you know, met all the Atari people. And then, um, then the last half was traveling in that broken down bus with Walter, Billy, uh, <laughs> Steve Harris and Jay Kim and, and, um, uh, Tim McVeigh for a part of it. Okay. And, um, and so those are kind of all different episodes, kind of, you know, detailing, um, you know, the rise and fall in a very, very short period of time, the gaming. 
So I'm happy to discuss whichever whichever one of those episodes you'd like to go into more well, detail about. In in particular, I think there's a really interesting story uh, where the bus breaks down and gets robbed. Yeah, go ahead. So so what I'll say is this: is that, that I I was very one of the things was I was very meticulous. I kept um, of, uh, notes of all the you know I detailed. I wrote down all my scores. So every single day I played. I wrote down the games I was playing and the number of times I played in my high score that day. Okay. And, um, and I, and I, that was like really important. So I remember, um, we, so this was kind of towards the end. Okay. So if you can imagine that it, we thought we were going to be professional video game players, the arcades were crashing, the new video games coming out suck. And here we are in the summertime and I'm kind of burnt out. And Walter and Billy convinced me to go travel with them around the country. And we call ourselves the U.S. National Video Game Team. If you can imagine five people with a T-shirt, absolutely broken down, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, no money. And we're the U.S. National Video Game Team. So anyway, uh, we did travel. It got, the, the bus did one of the times we, it got someone stole our stuff. And I remember I was really upset that, that my, um, someone had grabbed my bag but what they ended up doing was I think they just wanted to see if we had money and they took all of our stuff and they threw like our, we found our bags and all of our other stuff all over, you know, around the place. Cause I think they, they wanted something very particular. So I was happy that they didn't, they actually didn't steal my notebook with all my, with all my scores in it and stuff. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, like, it sounds like a, there was a real transformation originally in a tum one and kind of this evolution of what happened with the experiences with Walter and Billy over time. But what was it like when you returned to a tum one in 2010? I mean, what was that experience like? Cause it sounds like that was really a key pivotal place in the, in your origin story, like where everything started. What was it like to go back to that? Well, you know, it's nice because the story is that, I mean, I'll tell you kind of, again, we can go back to details if you want, but when I quit, and I consider that really the beginning of '84 is when I stopped. Like, like in January of '84, Atumwa, Iowa, I was I was inducted as one of the players of the year. Me, uh, Tim McCollum, and uh, Billy Mitchell. I think that's where you saw that that T-shirt, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, um, I didn't even go to that event in 1984. Um, I went to one event in '85, and then I pretty much stopped. And I mean, I lost interest. I got passionate about other stuff. Um, and I remember I had talked, I would talk to Billy a few times, but I don't, I think between 1987 and 2000, no contact with anyone. And then I was living in Romania and I get this phone call at like four o'clock in the morning. Okay. It was like the end of 99 or early 2000. And it was just like, it was five in the morning for me. And it was like, Hey Ben, we have, we're a bad blast in the past. And then um, Billy started reading from Walter's book because he wrote this book about us traveling, you know, the golden age of video games. And anyway, um, so I reconnected with them. And, of course, Walter's like, Ben, you won't believe it. The video games are back. Classic <laughs> gaming is big. And I'm like, OK, of course, Walter is a very good promoter. I always tell him he's one of the most amazing entrepreneurs, terrible businessmen. Amazing <laughs> entrepreneur, um, and so I kind of dibbled and dabbled, you know. Like I went to an event in 2000 in uh, um, uh, up in New Hampshire, which was okay. It was kind of cool to, to see that. Uh, then I saw um, the um, 
then I saw the um, the the making of Chasing Ghosts. Yes. So <laughs> I got to see that whole thing, Chasing Ghosts, King of Kong. Going back to a time when 2010 was a wonderful experience. I was the first I hadn't talked to Billy for many years because between the, the Chasing Ghosts and the Hall of Fame, that was like four years, four four or so from the time that the filming was done because it came out in 2007, but it was filmed in 2005, 2006. Um, I didn't really talk to him at all. Um, we reconnected. I reconnected with Steve Sanders. I had a wonderful time. You know, it was a really good experience. So I, I enjoyed it. You know, being being there, it was it was like this time when one of the last times where you had the video game community unified, because if you were to take the people that were in that auditorium and what happened in the subsequent years, there's literally 15 different factions now that hate each other. Um but it was nice when everybody, when most of the people were basically friendly. Well, I, you know? on this note, I have, I have, I want to ask you a question. We played this game uh, early on in first season. Uh, uh, we're in our third season now, but we're going to say some names, and I want you to give us a couple of before, adjectives. Before you do that, let me answer Andy because he's been very patient. So okay, he wants sorry. to know go ahead, go how ahead. to get the seven spiders coming out on the right at the start of the level. Fantastic. So Andy on, on Millipede. Here's the deal. You need to learn the rhythm. So there's moments where you've got to go and press, and you want to press it down when the mushrooms are near you. And there's times where you need to learn to time or to, um, or to sometimes tap. Now, with the spiders, you start, you pick a side, left or right, and you immediately go there, and you stay low, and you've got to get the first barrage of them. And so usually, like, when I'm – I don't like to spend a lot of time on the spider levels, but what I'll do is I look at which side the millipede is going to be going on because that spider level is always when it restarts mm-hmm. and the millipede is whole. Mm-hmm. And so you, you kind of look, especially at the higher levels, I just look and see which way is – if it's on the right side, I just move immediately to the right side, and then I kind of kill the spiders as best I can and then try to go to the millipede. So sure. it's, it's sometimes when there's eight of them. If all if you get three or four of them at the same time that are that do a really weird bounce, you're gonna die. So I just stay low and try to stay alive. So that's that's my answer to you. So I let's love go it. Ahead. That's so awesome. I love I, that. You know it's it's funny because I wish that was important to me. <laughs> I mean, it's important, but I wish I could get far enough that that mattered. Well, you know, that might actually help you, Brian. You just got to stick with it. I, I'm going to go practice tonight. <laughs> me too. All right. So next, back on track, we're going to ask you some, we're going to give you some names. And you give yep. us uh, one or two adjectives to describe them, and I'll okay. start off. Uh, uh, Tim McVeigh, go ahead. That's a that's a tough one to put an adjective. I mean, <laughs> um, passionate. There you go. Yeah. That's perfect. Uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Brian or or Mark. You pick another. Walter name. Day. Yeah. Okay. Eccentric. Um, wait, I got lots of okay. Yeah, Eccentric. yeah. Good, good, good. It's time. Um, visionary. All right. And um, and unrealistic. Okay. <laughs> how about how Brian, about Steve Sanders? Steve Sanders. Let me think. I know. I did think too. <laughs> so <laughs> no, no. Because um, can I tell you a little story about Steve? Yeah. Go sure. ahead. Well, of okay. I, I will, and then I'll give you my adjective. So I was actually Steve. I was a little bit mad at back in the day, right? And it was because there was that video game circus thing. 
Okay, and I got really. You you guys heard the story of the video game circus, you know. Well, we were guys. we were going to ask you about it, but you might I, as well just I go into not. it right now. Just go for it. Go yes. for it. Tell us. So so basically, this guy Jim Riley was a con man. He convinced Walter that oh, we were going to no. do a, a video game circus, and it was going to be you know kind of it was really conceptually speaking, you could argue he was a visionary about video gamers being like rock stars, you know, going into venues, playing video games, having people watch the best players, you know, that's kind of happening now. It's right. Just, that's, it's, that's Twitch basically. <laughs> yeah. It's Twitch, but we didn't have Twitch. We didn't have the internet. So what it was, was that the, the, the idea was brilliant. The problem was, is that it was not possible to monetize. So, so he didn't like me very much because yeah. I, um, uh, was very outspoken. Like, I mean, honestly, with a 16, if you put a 16 year old kid in front of, I didn't care if you were an Atari executive. As a matter of fact, I, I talked to a bunch of them when I was on this airplane to Atumwa and everybody was scared as hell. Like that when I got off the plane <laughs> that I was going to say something really stupid, but you know, they, I, I got along. I mean, I sat down with them and I told them, I, I mean, I don't know. I think I liked a lot of their games. So, I mean, I played Millipede, Centipede. So I told them, yeah, I like their games. I, I don't think I say anything stupid. They like to see. And when I got off the plane, I saw my friends. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to see my friends. I don't really give a shit about these guys in suits. Um, but, you know, at this at this event, I um, I had some issues. And I, I, you know, I was a little bit concerned. You know, are we going to be competing against each other all the time? Is it how, what are the incentives? So I think he just didn't like me. But it was a very interesting lesson because I really said, hey, I am one of the best players. I mean, I didn't think I was the best, but, you know, in the top 10 or 15 of the people that were there, if I were looking at my overall skill set, I'm like probably in the top 10 or 15 of of the players that are that are in, you know, here. And obviously, you know, the circus, he wanted, you know, 20, 30 people. So I'm like, obviously, I should be a part of that. But not only was I uninvited. Um, but Steve Sanders, who had just admitted that he was lying, he had lied about his uh, gaming, oh. uh, you know, his Donkey Kong, got, was like the team captain. Oh. Okay. So I was so mad. Uh, I, I kind of wondered about that, actually. Yeah. So It's like, so, how I mean, does this guy that lies about his Donkey Kong score get put in charge of finding all the people for the team? So that's the thing, though. But, you know, you learn, I mean... Uh, not to get in politics, but uh, you can ask that same question about what's going on. I've learned that, that sometimes the most qualified people are not necessarily the people that get in positions of power. And so uh. what what happened is, is that, you know, if you think about it, um, Steve basically, um, you know, he was charismatic. And I think Jim liked him and said, sure. I want this guy. I want to care. I don't give a shit about the. Um, Makes sense. Uh, you know, ab- about. um um, uh, I really didn't care about the, um, the minutia or he didn't care the minutia of who's best, who isn't. He just wanted, and, and Steve was charismatic. He, you know, he, he, he was, um, uh, obviously just, you know, able to express himself in a better way. So I didn't, but I didn't know that, that. And so I always thought for many years that, that he, um, um, you know, that he picked the team and why wasn't I a part of it? So in 2010, when I went to the Video Game Hall of Fame, it's the first time I really sat down and I was Steve Sanders, Billy and myself. You know, we I hadn't talked to Billy since King of Kong had gone out. And 
we probably went to this bar and we probably spent five or six hours there. Okay. And I remember I said to Steve, okay, I need to ask you, I said, why was I not picked to be on the, um, on as part of the, uh, the, the video game circus. And he looks at me and he goes, Ben, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> I have no idea why you weren't picked. And, and then Billy goes, I'll tell you why you weren't picked. You were a loudmouth kid. He didn't want you as a loudmouth kid. <laughs> oh. oh, man. He backed out and Billy backed you up. That's how it went. But, but, but it was just, it was just really, you know, he's, he's like, he goes, Billy's like, I'll tell you why you weren't picked. Um, <laughs> And, so, uh, so do you have an adjective you'd like to use for Steve Sanders right now? Well, let, let me say this. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. That uh, I'll use the word transformed. Okay, I like that. Okay, Good one. because if the worst thing Steve Sanders did was lie about his Donkey Kong store score, he's got five kids. He has a very successful practice. He's a good family man. He's fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Although he's probably a little bit upset because I think he's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I noticed, so, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, just get used to disappointed. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, hey, you know, I mean, it was um, – but the um, – but basically I would say that, that um, you know, I, I, Steve, at this point, I mean, I look at it like that. Like I don't – does it really matter that when he was 18 years old, he lied about a video game score? I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Sure. In the grand scheme, right after he learned from it. He, you know, set his life straight, however he defines that, yeah. you know, married, create a family. Sure. I'm like, that's, that's, you know, when you get into this, because you get these guys that are uh, on these forums that are obsessed with stuff that has no value, no meaning. And I'm like, why are you wasting your time? Um, you know, I mean, like. Why are you wasting your time wondering about, I mean, trying to go back to the 1980s and evaluate the scores? I'm like going, why don't you just try to, you know, I look at it as people trying to erase history. Sure. Um, as opposed to, you know, let let bygone, let th- this is what happened. As long as I'm living, I will tell you the same story. Um, and if you want to say that that's incredible, didn't exist or that I cheated, go ahead. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, we, but anyway, we do need to get to that. So let's get through these other oh, names here. Going. Give me some so more names. More adjectives. Billy Mitchell. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Billy right. Mitchell. Mullet? No. Um, Mullet. That's it. Well, I don't know if that's a. No, you know Billy Mitchell. That's more of a 1980s. Yeah. He exudes the 1980s. Okay, yeah, that's I a like good that. adjective. Still, even to this day, I like that. Yes. I, I will say that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of stuff packed up in that. But um, Billy came to uh, Minneapolis, and he's got a lot of personality things that show up on film. But I can tell you, from a personal perspective, I have never met anybody who was kinder to my family than Billy Mitchell was. I mean, to my son, to my wife. I mean, it, you're not really, you're not supposed to be given the adjectives here, by the way. No, but but uh, I, just, <laughs> I, I have, you know, I, I I just have to interject a little bit because mm-hmm. I mean, it, so there's a lot of stuff that goes around about him, and we went out to dinner with him because when they were up here for the show, and I mean, Billy really, I the stuff that I've seen about him, I a very different person when, um, he interacted with my son has a lot of issues that come up. Um, he's got some issues that he's had to deal with and his way of dealing with my son was just phenomenal. And 
I was very impressed with how he kind of interacted with my family and the respect he had. So I, there's some things about Billy that I think are very controversial and very um, edgy, but um, there's a part of him that really has some heart. But you understand so, that, that that since King of Kong came out, I never trust a documentary. Okay. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they totally yeah. mess no, I mean, around. I mean, that was, that was a hack job. Sure. They, oh, yes. took, they took sequences out of order. They deleted. They, they, they made a fictional movie using real footage. Well, okay. they make characters what? out of everybody, including Brian Coe and everybody. You know, it's just, you know. They didn't treat everybody very well. No, they didn't. And and um, I will say that that the, it was a hack job. Um, Billy actually, when I talked to him in 2010, he, he had a very good. I was very impressed with his attitude about it. I thought he was really um, mature, and you know he took it well, and he learned that you know fame can be even if it's bad bad publicity, you can still use it to your advantage. So. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, I, I you know, I just get really upset when I hear people say bad things about him that don't know him and they see King of Kong and they're like, what an asshole. What? A, yeah, the guy on King of Kong was a real prick. Uh, OK, but that does, that's not necessarily Billy Mitchell. They bought sure they bought 200 hours of film footage from another filmmaker and used that. So they had about over 200 hours, probably about 250 hours of footage of him. And when, if I promise you something, if I take 250 hours of footage from anybody, I can make you into a Nazi. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> I promise you. I take your, your names out. Of, I take things out of uh, out of context. Right. That things, you, I can make you into a Nazi. <laughs> but... <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. No, I, I, and I, I mean, I saw it even with the Chasing Ghost. I, they did a little, a few things that kind of irked me in, on how they edited the movie, uh, they edited certain film footage. So I don't trust any video, any any filmmakers. Um, and when I see a documentary about anything, you know, and it's really, especially these uh, shock videos that are for politically motivated, both on the right and the left, I want to see the whole footage unedited. Before I would make a decision, because I can't take a two-minute snippet out of a 15-minute conversation and draw a conclusion. Right. We're, we're actually kicking out the whole thing where we're going to ask you about people, but I have to ask you, your what were your observations Kathy Lee Crosby. Smoking. Because I want to know what, yeah, what was your reaction as a young man as she smooched you on national TV? Well, that was really tough. I mean, I, um, I kind of had a crush on her before I met oh her. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was just smoking hot. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a teenager dream come true, right? Oh. That's wow. right. <laughs> so you, okay. See, so uh, follow up question for that. Uh, so, February 21, 1983, the incredible, <clears throat> that's incredible, unwittingly gained video game immortality by broadcasting the North American Video Game Challenge in Atumwa. So, you were actually on That's Incredible twice. No, one time. So, they broadcast the Atumwa, Iowa. Uh, it was all part. Of, so, I don't know if you saw the. Um, the footage, but they broadcast. They, what they did was they they filmed Atumwa, Iowa. Okay. And then, but it was only one broadcast. Okay. So that May third, I think. So February twenty first, I think, is when we actually did in the studio. Yeah. The um, event, 
And then the broadcast was in May. Like May 2nd, Monday, maybe-ish. Yep. Uh, that's incredible episode. Um, you took home a millipede machine. No, I took the millipede machine home. So I took a little gold metal thing, you know, that was wrapped around my, my thing, my, my thing. The millipede came from when I was in the summer in, um, with Todd Walker and Eric Jenner. We, um, Eric and I, when I was in California, the guys from the video game challenge actually paid for me to play there. And then they gave whoever won, got the millipede machine and an airplane. I stand corrected, but on that's incredible. You ended up having to play a bunch of games, right? Right. Uh, uh, Buck Rogers was the final game that you, you've won the challenge on or the, the, uh, the contest on it wasn't called challenge. Uh, did you actually like that game? No, <laughs> you just were, <laughs> you were just pretty good at video games. So you, you were well, actually what they did was, so, so here's the thing, the, the pre-competition in Natumwa with 20 of us, they, what they did was a very, very, I, I thought Walter was very, did a very fair job. I mean, a great job, but a fair way because they would take a score and let's say the high score was a million points. Let's say, uh, uh, Todd Walker got a million points on a score on a game and I got 200,000. I get 20 points. He gets a hundred points. So they took the highest score. They got a hundred points. Then they filtered everybody else, all 20 of us where we did on that game. We go to the next game and it's same thing. The highest score got a hundred points. Everybody else got whatever. And at the end of the day, they saw who had the most points and it was like Todd was like way over here. And then there was about four of us that were like within a millipoints of each other, you know. Um, and I just happened to have Eric did really bad. He should have Eric. It should have been Todd um, and uh, Darren and then Eric, Eric uh, Jenner. But he did really bad on the last couple of games or the last one or two games. And I barely came in behind and I beat him. Um, and I had to do my very best. He did really bad and that was how i got onto that's incredible because then that's incredible they said okay we're going to wipe the slate clean we're going to do a time competition because we don't have two days to do this and they wanted to make it exciting so they picked scores and they told us three of the games in advance and two of them cosmos and buck rogers we didn't we only got to play for like two days okay we knew nothing about games yes oh did something happen give me a hug yeah, yeah. Okay. Good night. Okay. Uh, did they let you play the games beforehand? Did you get to practice a little bit for the That's Incredible Deal? Yeah, we did. I mean, they told us three of them. So uh, those three, Burger Time, you know, Millipede, I was, it was me and Eric. We were the best players at the time. So, um, um, uh, and, I um, uh, let me see how I said. So we were the best at Millipede. So I knew that Millipede was going to be the game that I needed to get the mo- to do really well, and that's incredible um, to give me kind of a lead because I kind of sucked at Donkey Kong Junior. I hated the game, mm. and uh, and I um, and I hated Burger Time too. So it was like Burger Time and Donkey Kong Junior. I just played as much as I could, so I wouldn't, so I would be able to get through them as fast as possible. Sure. But those were not my game. So, uh, you know, thank goodness Buck Rogers and, and Cosmos were shoot 'em up games. Yeah. So I was able to, to you know, th- that worked to my advantage. Um, but uh, but Cosmos sucked. Buck Rogers was okay. <laughs> but, you know, Buck Rogers is a good example. They were trying to create new games, but by 1983, 
the golden age of gaming was coming to an end. They, they, they were running out of ideas. They, mm. they were running out of ways to keep people interested in gaming. That was like the peak right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and actually my follow-up question, uh, well, actually Brian, you had this question. On, I think. Yeah. So what were your top five games from the golden era? Um, I would say if you're asking about what I liked, was passionate about, I would put um, definitely we'll say Centipede and Millipede as one, Defender and Stargate as one, um, Robotron, Tempest. Um, and let me think. Uh, those were kind of the ones that I just I really loved. Like I, I still today enjoy playing Millipede and Robotron a little bit. Um, but um, let me, th- you know, those are the games that come. I mean, I did have a world record on Qbert, and I always tell people that if you want to torture, you want to go to Guantanamo Bay, I say play a Qbert video for 80 hours, call it Qboarding. I promise you they'll say anything. Ah. I mean, I just, I can't, you know, that whack, whack, but I, but I played it for 36 hours because I said, hell, why not? Why not set a record? That's amazing. Hey, and did you just pick Millipede, Stargate, and Qbert out of the air? Or were they like those were my favorites? Those are your tar- those are your targeted games. Was there a particular reason why those games were? Um, I I think okay. Here's the thing, um, and this is what the challenge was. So today, if you play, let's say Minecraft, and there's a glitch, right? Well, all you got to do is download a patch, fix it, and the game goes on. Back in the 80s, you create centipede. Well, yeah. suddenly the centipede, they discovered that those little mushrooms on the side, you could kind of trap the centipede and get 30 million points because all you got are spiders coming, and you shoot them out. Sure. So then they came up with millipede. Millipede was the equivalent of putting a patch on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Millipede to me is one of the best games created because it's not really a marathon game, even though this guy Donald Hayes – <laughs> who I will say I'm very set about and very jealous and, and uh, what a what a jerk. That he, <laughs> so I mean I got four point seven million on Millipede and I said nobody's going to ever beat me. Of course, never. And then that jerk gets whatever ten million, which you know. <laughs> I mean, if you put a gun to my head and said your family's for ransom and you've got six months to beat his record. I could probably do it if you injected me with some drugs so I don't get arthritis. And I, you know, and bombed her and just, I, I met, I met Donald Hayes and I told him, um, I said, you're obviously not married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I say, so if I were to nominate, I would say Donald Hayes is the best player from that point of view wow. overall. Okay. Now, a couple minutes ago, you mentioned uh, sort of the the end of an era. You um, yes. uh, you started talking about uh, the industry was about to implode, right? So, right. tell us your impressions and even what you were feeling as the video game crash took hold on the industry. Oh, I'll tell you. So, Steve Harris started as one of the game players. He had a couple of world records. Really good, really good player. Steve was the businessman. Okay, and when I say he's a businessman, he um, started um, Arcade, God, I forget, it was Arcane Gaming Monthly. He started a video game magazine just as the arcade game was, uh, arcade scene was crashing. But he, um, I mean, he became a multimillionaire, um, very, very successful um, business person. 
So before he did that, he's he came up with this really, really crazy idea. Um, he came up with this idea of going to the video game manufacturing and saying the manufacturers and saying, hi, we're gamers. We'd like to rate your games. We'd like to do. Um, I don't know what you call it, a quality test or a give you some input before your games come out, <laughs> you know, and I'm not kidding you. They looked at us like we were, um, I don't know, cockroaches or something like <laughs> they, they literally said, why the hell do we give a shit what you guys think <laughs> about our games? Because they thought their clients were the arcade owners. OK, yeah. that was what they yeah. said. Their clients, their customers were the arcade owners. What they forgot was. The arcade owners had to have me and Steve and Billy and all the other people to put in quarters for the arcade owners to do it. So they did not, there was not a feedback loop. Today there is, but back then there was not a true feedback loop from us, you know, giving the, uh, um, giving the, um, uh, um, uh, giving uh, the feedback loop on, on, on kind of what, what was needed. So I don't know if the arcade could have survived anyway. We could have prolonged it, but the ideas were dying. It could be that, you know, maybe you maxed out on these, these ideas that you can do with two dimensional games. You know, you almost had to have the crash, then have the internet, then have multiplayer gaming for the technology to allow us to interact the way we do today. So I don't know, you know, the crash, I do think that the manufacturers had a big part of it. I have actually more questions asking if you still own a millipede or any other of those games. And if you're, uh, or does that participation in the hobby consist mainly of taking the kids to arcades? Like, is there a machine in your house right now? No, there isn't. Now I did have one up until about 2000. So after the video games crashed, I had a crystal castles and a millipede at my folks place. Okay. They kept it for many years, and then about 2005, I bought a house across near, almost across the street from them, and they said, "Hey, take your, you know, it's time for you to take your your arcade game out of here." And so I took the Millipede. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been broken anyway for a while right. uh, because they break down, and um, and then I sold it actually. Mm-hmm. So it was just you know I don't, I didn't really have that attachment to it. Right. Uh, I kept the plaque that fell off. Um, from the video game challenge, but I, I gave the machine. I told the, the new owner in California the whole story. It just was when uh, Chasing Ghosts came out, so I said, "Hey, it's in this documentary. I think you'd you know be good to the machine." Um, and I, you know, that was kind of as far as it is. Um, well, that's that's fair. I mean, you know, you're in a different place, and you know, you don't have to. Yeah. Keep everything that you own for the oh, rest my, of your my life. My wife thinks I'm a pack rat anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so she, I did, she, I did she come to my house. <laughs> I, well, not I, a, I, I tell her I'm not a hoarder. I have I have like 25 boxes of everything from childhood up through now of kid stuff that's very neatly put in the corner. I'm like, just leave that alone. That's my little thing, <laughs> and that's it. Okay, uh, it's taking that's up your history. Space. You got okay. You this gotta, much. Yeah, yeah so you got to keep um, that. So, I, I had a quick question for you. So, I mean, looking at the Atari games, you know, you have this amazing run up to Millipede, and then right after that is Liberator and Quantum. What are your thoughts on the Atari trackball games after Millipede? I'm trying to think. I remember Marble Madness, Crystal Castles. Those were pretty good games. Okay. Um, those are the only two that I remember. The rest were kind of crap. Um, you know, I just I didn't really have... 
that and you know the the home game sucked at the time i mean i had the home game system 2600 but oh yeah there was nothing you know playing you know just a facade of what you can get from the arcade really right now you can put your all you the entire arcade collection on one of these you know but um yeah that was that was interesting So uh, back to Chasing Ghosts for a sec, because uh, we were just talking about that a little bit. I mean, like you had your millipede machine there. You were kind of proud of it back then. And we went over a couple of the details. Uh, you were talking about King Kong and not telling the story correctly. What about Chasing Ghosts? Was that just as bad? Was it? Uh, did, what, what did you like? What didn't you like? You know, Chasing Ghosts came the closest to telling the story. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking to see about... Um, I don't, nobody's really told my story yet. Okay. I don't know. The closest is Robert Wolonsky in that Dallas um, Observer article. Yeah, that's a fantastic article. By the way, listeners, if you uh, look up Dallas Observer, Ben Gold, you will see an article that covers most of what we've talked about tonight. It's a fantastic article. The only thing I kind of regret was I, I spent probably t- over 10 hours of him taping me. And the only thing I asked him was at the end, can you give me the tapes back? Because the hard part is, you know, he asked some really good questions. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, you know, as I get older, I've not all the details. Yeah, I want to I want to remember them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just like the Chasing Ghosts uh, people, they... Um, I asked them if they would give me, the, you know, granted that was probably, I don't have any right to it, but I said, I'd be pay you good money to have access. They did 10 hours of videos in 2005. I would love just from the family point of view, the questions they, we spent a weekend together. They only put five minutes of that in the movie, but sure. I would have loved to have just had the original footage. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, just for the sake of the family, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing was that, uh, so to chasing goes, I, they missed the mark. And the reason I would say that is number one, I think they were, they knew about, they knew about King of Kong. Yeah. They both felt being filmed at the same time. They kept me completely in the dark. Like I went to sun to, to the Sundance film festival and found out that there's this other film called, uh, King of Kong. That was also about, you know, Walter Day, Billy Mitchell, Twin Galaxies. But I had, was not interviewed for Like, they sure. never actually even talked to me. Um, both of those vi- video game directors said that we've got these nice, lighthearted films about the 1980s. Okay? And that's why I don't trust uh, documentarians anymore. Sure. Um, and I was very careful. I always learned that when I say something online, I'm very careful. Um, you know, so... I uh, do not, um, you know, I've always learned you say one bad sentence, that sentence can define you in mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. outside. So I'm, I was very careful. Um, and even in their 10 um, hours, they were un, um, uh, even in that 10 hours, they really couldn't, I didn't slip up. So they only had one or two areas where they probably could have, you know, they kind of put stuff in there. But I felt like they made Todd Rogers look look really immature. Um, they focused on, like, all the idiosyncrasies of Leo Daniels, for example. You know, I mean, they just – they went out of their way. So on one hand, they were trying to say, what are people doing nowadays that were in Life magazine? Look, they're living normal lives. Oops, no, they're sociopaths or they're they're <laughs> – so it was a little bit of both, you know. I, I didn't catch that. So maybe Does on that, that maybe, 
yeah, maybe it does. And maybe on that same note, in the original cut of the film, which I may or may not own, uh, Robert Merchek is featured with an interesting collection of artwork. Someone told me you might have an inside scoop. Well, I'll just tell you that I I asked to to get a preview of it and um, the the directors would not let me do it and they basically said nope you're gonna have to wait and not so many words like i flew down to sundance with my wife and both walter myself it was um um oh god uh, sam blackburn and um uh one other of the the person that was in there um and I, mark robachek and we were all kind of like the guests and we got to see the whole Sundance thing and look at, uh, you know, Sundance almost has become a mainstream thing. It's not really an alternative anymore. It's sure. Anyway. Um, and I mean, it was an interesting experience, but I got to tell you, when I saw the movie, I was floored because I was like, what the hell was that? The first time I saw it, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell did I see? And I, I'll tell you that 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 decision. There's two things, two fatal mistakes. Robert Mertzak's porno connect collection. In addition to being a referee, I have a hobby outside of gaming. It's a combination hobby and an investment. I consider myself a very serious art collector. Um, prepare yourself. It's wrapped. Unfortunately, I can't see clearly through the plastic is the extra imagery here, 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 and here. It shows a lady fantasizing. It's classic Soriyama. It has the mole. He draws one imperfection per character because he does not believe that any character is perfect. And uh, like I said before, technically speaking, you could look at the piece in two different directions and you wouldn't even know it's the same piece. Okay. I mean, it was, it was just bad taste. And I'm like, he wasn't in the Life magazine shoot. Sure. Okay. And yet they're showing him with his, these pictures of these women that's considered to be artwork, but basically it's pornogra- pornography, sure. you know, artwork in pornographic form. And yeah. look, you know what? I don't hold that against him. I mean, if that is what gets him high or he likes it, that's great. And matter of fact, I think he was talking about it was a good investment, that they're worth more than – he paid for it. You know, if there's a market for that, awesome. I don't, I have no moral judgment. <laughs> but what yeah, does I, it have to do with gaming, really? Yeah, yeah, what the hell does that have to do with gaming? Oh. Okay. I mean, everything so. else that he had to say was fine about, about you know, record collection, his cat, him staying in front of the VCR for 36 straight hours, watching every minute to determine if it's real. I'm True. like, if you want to do that with your time, do yeah, it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. But I got to say, you know, I'm probably not going to sit there with my VHS, you know, evaluating games and then I have more power to you. <laughs> but that ruined the movie. And then the other yeah. thing was um, putting in. Um, um, OK, wait, uh, what's his name? Um, Mr. Awesome. Um, oh, Roy. Roy Schilt. Roy Schilt. Yeah. Roy had nothing to do yes. with the Life magazine shoot. There was no reason to put him there. He promised, by the way, Billy and everybody else said that Roy was not going to appear in the movie. So he promised that was a specific guarantee, and he put it in the movie anyway. Partially why I don't trust people. Sure. Um, so those two things ruined the movie. You know, yeah, Roy was funny. Oh, hey, you know, uh, Billy can't do blah blah. But the bottom line is right. Roy is a very it's a very sad story because that's the example of the video game player who was um, just a um, 
Um, uh, let me see how I'd say this. Um, I, by the way, I will talk about the main stuff. I will because everybody sure. wants to know that. But, but uh, let me say this: the toxicity, the toxicity yeah, of sure. Of Here's a guy I, I met Roy in 2010, Roy Schell, mm-hmm. and I looked at him and I said, Roy, can't, this was 1985. Yeah. You you set a world record or you set a score at a moment when nobody was there to witness it. Yeah. I'm going to take him at his word that he he did what he said he did. Sure. Okay. Is it that important to get that recognition? I mean, are you going to ruin your life for the next 30 years being jealous yeah. about the success of other people because of something that happened in 1985? Well, for him, you know, he even says that it made him special. Uh, and they, they, they took everything out of context. But the one quote that I thought was particularly entertaining in that documentary was... The, I wouldn't play a candy-ass game like Pac-Man. That's for girls and chumps. The guys who play Pac-Man are not very talented. They can't handle games like Missile Command or any of the real tough games. Those games are more popular because they're easy to play. And the games like Missile Command are not that popular because they're really hard to master and, and it takes a lot of skill to play. And trackballs are a lot harder to control than a, than a joystick. And there's three buttons, three different missile bases, and missiles that travel at different speeds. He was just that's very... psycho. Do you understand that I, is yeah. a, a psych? That is a psychopath, or somebody who is just <laughs> mentally deranged. Yeah. So let me tell you a story. In 2013, um, I was at the one up in Denver for the third conga. I think that was the third one of it, and. I brought my son with me, uh, my oldest at the time. He was about 10 years old. And I can just tell you that when that Roy actually came to the event, an old man, I mean, he was a cane. Yeah. He, he was a shell of himself. And my son spent several hours with him watching him play Missile Command because nobody else really want. I mean, Billy was upset, wouldn't talk to him. I mean, Billy, that's, you know, he has a big thing. And I told him, I said, in the video game scene, Roy to me is very harmless. Maybe there's some bad blood between them, but I sure. mean, I just felt sad. And yeah. so my son played, watched him play, asked him questions. I said, just That's spend awesome. time with him, make him feel good, you know, for what he's good at. But, you know, that, I mean, to me, I looked at that and I said that was sad because to me, that's the, the thing that at the end of the day, I mean, okay, Roy never became as famous as Billy. Right. Roy can't go on an airport and have people look at them and want to take their picture. You know, when I'm with Billy in an airport and somebody says, you're Billy Mitchell. Can I have your picture? And I look at her and I say, no, you don't want Billy's. You know, trust me, you do not want a picture with this guy. It'll be used against you. No, stay away from him. Okay. And next thing I know is have their arm around. He puts his tie over their head and whatever. But, you know, stands three uh, feet in front of them and goes. Yeah, Yeah, he does that thing. So anyway, but so that was just very sad that there was that jealousy. My sincerest apologies to you all, Steve Sanders. Now, let me go ahead and address this whole meme bullshit thing. Okay. Okay. And I'm just going to call it bullshit because here's the deal. Um, I've known him for 30, Billy, for 36 years. I've never seen him play a meme game. Okay. I've never seen him. He's never talked to me about it, okay? Now, in, when I was at the one-up, and I can't remember if it's the one-up or the, um, or the first, I was the first and the third Kongos. Um, I remember we were just bullshitting around or, you know, um, you know, he was playing, we were talking, and I think I saw him get a million points. 
on Donkey Kong on a practice game that was, you know, and I can't remember the exact score because I can give a shit about Donkey Kong. Um, and uh, I mean, I really don't. OK, I mean, I watch these players that are obsessed with all the, you know, with analyzing the screens. I mean, every time I play, I put in a quarter. I said, Billy, I'm going to kick your ass on this one. OK, watch. And he's like, oh, I'm scared, friend. Um, but um, but my point is that, OK, let's just take that. So I'm so when I'm looking at cheaters, OK, and I've I've seen plenty of cheaters in my day. The first thing you ask is uh, someone says they got three million points on a game. Okay. The first question you have to ask, is that possible? Sure. Okay. So for example, you know, Steve Sanders said he got 3 million on Donkey Kong and then Billy got to the kill screen and you're like, "Uh, I don't know if 3 million points is possible. Okay. That's the first way you know somebody's lying. The second way you look at when somebody's lying is you watch them play. Okay. And you ask the question, could this person obtain that score okay and i will say that i've had several people that told me they've got these amazing scores and i watched them play and i said you don't play any better than i do okay i mean if your high score is three million and you in front of me get two hundred eighty-five thousand, and then the next game you get three hundred thousand, i'm going to say there's probably a good chance you did not get three million points okay now if billy had said that he got 1.2 million on Donkey Kong, okay? And there was some, you know, funky stuff that he did. Um, You know what I'm saying? I would start to say, wait a second, you know, 1.2? That's kind of pushing the envelope. Um, You know, you start to ask the question, but you've never seen you get, you know, you've never done this before in front of people. so that those are the things that I, I, I know. So the first question is, was he capable in 2010 of getting a, a million sixes? Absolutely. OK, was he capable of that? Because if you can get a million, you could probably get a million sixty seven. OK, on a practice game that you're not really. And Billy's like, I don't even play Donkey Kong anymore. I hate I don't really have the time, but I have to go to this donk, these Kong offs and play. But I literally haven't played in like six months, you know, and 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 that. So to me, that tells me that he was capable of it. Now, the question is, um, I've told him, and I'll say this, I, I, I don't think he did a very good public relations thing. Um, and I'm like, look, you know, I, if somebody accused me of this, I would have handled it very differently. So, um, you know, a couple of items here is Joe West. Um, and by the way, I saw that here, you know, he passed away a month ago, was emotionally unstable and i mean he pissed off so there's not really there is not a pro billy or anti billy group what there is is 15 different um segments of the video game community they're all fucked up okay i'll put it to you that way um and so there's some people that hate billy because they saw king of kong there's some people that hate billy because they think he lied and cheated and and uh, is making money and doesn't deserve it. There's people that think that Billy walks on water and, you know, and you need to um, throw roses behind him. And what I mean, Joe kind of was in that, that point of, of if you even question, you know, the integrity and you ask the question, then you are a blasphemist and you are going to go to hell. And so you've got all these different variables going along. Now, I guess for me, um, 
I, I'm like going, you know, this is basically again, um, uh, you know, this this part here. I'm going. I don't understand all the technical parts, and I know people have been. They really have been analyzing a copy of a copy, or you know, and there's and I and there's been these these extremely detailed thesis about did Billy uh, you know do it or not do it? Sure. And I am like going. Um, I, I I I wish I mean, you know. Here's the thing. I wish Billy had done. I think his case would have been much better. And I I've said to him, you need to have. I would assume that you would have taken pictures because it was done in a public place. You would have video of it. I mean, all you have to do is have one video of him playing and have the gameplay match, you know, one of the, the, the uh, internal board and that would have solved it. Okay. And so, you know, I, I don't think he did a particularly good job of documenting what he was doing. Um, I don't believe he did the main, um, number one, he's since played and, and gotten the same score. So there's not really like, I don't have, I don't see a motive to sure. play main. Sure. I mean, does that make sense? Am, am I, no, I, I, you know, it, it totally makes sense. And, and he even has said he didn't provide that video. They found that video from somebody else. Well, it's, it's like, but I still think that he could have, I mean, again, this is, um, uh, um, the, uh, so let me see the main rendering of his King of Kong. Well, I don't know the King of Kong submission. Um, so I guess those are two separate things. I'm, I always understood sure. that the main controversy was on his his world record of one million sixty nine thousand or something like that. I forget what the score was. There's a which few, was done right before the Video Game Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's like three submissions, and I don't know all the details, but you know, I, I appreciate. I mean. He, he, He's your friend, you know. He's uh, right or wrong. Billy is a formidable presence and a, a fun guy to hang around. Uh, Brian and, and I, Brian, and I learned that <laughs> when we. He is. I mean, but the thing is that I'm like going, okay. I don't understand. You know, I'm like going. He's done a million sixty. I believe in the last six months he's done that in live. Yes. In, he you know, streamed, so, he's beaten his. He's beaten that score one time. He matched it and then he beat it online live streaming. So it's not like he yeah. can't do it. That's so good. what would have been the point in the first place? Yeah. What would have been? Explain to me the point. Right. Um. Um. Uh, th- this is the thing, and I get you know I, I get. Uh, here's the thing. Is. <laughs> I'm trying to understand. I just try to under. I look at it from this point of view of why the hell would he? Um, I don't. I just don't. I don't understand what the motivation is. Like, like I said, if Billy right. had um, didn't have the capability, I mean, would he actually say, "Okay, I'm going to go play on Mame because that's going to give me an extra five percent boost or something." Um, you know, and, and that's what I need right now is a 5% boost on my score. And therefore this cheating is going to help me do that. I don't know. I mean, I just, I mean, look, you know what I, I tell people and I've, I've said this way, um, I'm not going to tell you that Billy did not play main. Sure. I can't, I, I wasn't there. Okay. I didn't, uh, I didn't, um, uh, witness it. I didn't, um, uh, he's my friend, but I'm not going to say that he did not do MAME. Um, but what I will say is I don't see a logical reason why he would need to do it. 
in order to achieve his level of success. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That makes total think, sense. Yeah. You know, Ben, I think one of the, th- the key things you said tonight was when you watch people play, I mean, you are, uh, you have a talent in video games that very few people have. And one of the things that we learn when we have skills in areas that, um, it kind of exceed kind of an average knowledge of that area is you said when you watch somebody play a game, you can understand whether or not they can achieve what they've said they have achieved. And I think that that's, you know, whether or not a specific score was achieved, is it significant that the person is doing certain things in that field? And so in, in essence, what I'm, I'm hearing you say in some ways is was a person able to contribute something in that area? And do we need to, go into the minutia and the specifics, or do we just need to recognize that this person has a talent in an area that exceeds kind of a normal talent? And are they contributing in a way? Do we need to dispute points here or points there? Or do we need to w- look at the overall picture of, is this person affecting the overall culture of what's well, happened? Well, let, let me put it a different way. That yeah. Galaxies went and erased all of Billy Mitchell's scores on every game. Yep. Okay. And, and that to me was... You know, number one, um, I disagree with that. I mean, um, they, um, I don't think that, um, again, this goes back to kind of the whole element here of, um, of, of, you know, the early days when you had someone like, um, Mr. Awesome, um, what's the name again? I'm sorry. It's getting late. Um, you know, that, that, that's one thing. But right now the, there's this movement to erase history, to actually go back and wipe the scores from the 1980s, to, to delegitimize the, the scoreboard, the Twin Galaxies scoreboard that Walter Day put together, to say that the, the Life magazine shoot was not the origin of competitive gaming, that there were other things before that or since that, that this is insignificant, that that's the picture of liars and cheaters, that there's this, there's this point here where that's kind of the way it's going. And so, um, you know, and, and the ironic thing is that this whole Kong off and this whole thing would have never happened. If it wasn't for Billy Mitchell. Well, okay. Let me, let me try to state this a different way. And, and, and please tell me if you disagree, but, I think what you're say, what 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 I'm tra- was trying to get at in essence was there is a basic contribution to kind of the video game era and what happened that whether or not the score was real or wasn't real the person was real and from your perspective which is a very unique perspective of somebody who could actually accomplish scores on a game that very few of us could accomplish you were able to look at that and say this is somebody who was talking a talk that they could actually walk. Whether or not that score, that particular score was real, they really did do something significant in this area. So, I mean, I look, I would say, but I, but I'd go further than that. I would say, did Billy, because I do agree that if, let's just say if Billy Mitchell cheated, okay, which, um, you know, that would be a stain on his record. Um, and, you have to determine what's the level, uh, you know, what is it that he, that he did, um, to cheat and why did he cheat? And I, I'm just where, where I'm at on this one though, is that I'm like, if the amount of effort it would take to do a main, you know, to, to do this in Maine yep. and, 
Um, you know, and, and when, you know, Billy has a donkey or I, I know at certain times he has a donkey Kong machine at home. So he has a way to practice it at home. And I don't know. I just, you know, so I'm just telling you from what I know about Billy, I know he's very capable of getting the scores that he's submitted. He's gotten those scores that he's submitted. So the, the, the thinking is, is, Hey, and let me see if I get kind of the argument against Billy is something along the lines of, Hey, in 2005, when this the King of Kong was happening, was being filmed, Billy didn't believe that he could get this high score. So he um, uh, so he had to cheat by playing MAME and had to do that for the next five years or these three submissions, that those were not legal. Okay? That's kind of the idea. And I'm like, you know, I, I wasn't there, like I said. I don't know. I didn't see Billy play these games. Um, I believe it's up to himself to document them. And I, I, I had assumed that he had taken the right precautions to make sure that, that there would be, these conversations wouldn't take place. I mean, like I said, like when I was on that's incredible, nobody can dispute. Did I win? That's incredible. Did I cheat on that's incredible? Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, did I, did I cheat? Um, it's pretty tough to, I mean, I'm sure somebody yeah. <laughs> can come up and say, well, actually, if you look, you know, this machine on the left was programmed with some dip switch that went to the frickin' left side instead of well, the right side, and that's why you won. Let's be okay. honest. They, they set the bar for all three of you on this show. There's no way they can do that. I appreciate what you're saying, but for the show, that's incredible. You were all competing against each other for score. It didn't matter what the dip switches were, but I see what you're saying. Uh, I'm just saying also, you- I, want, I just want to say... Ben, this show is about you. Let's 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 yeah. get back on track. Uh, Billy but, but is important. I say this, that, that, that I know it's about me, but this is the part about the legacy sure. of what we did. That's yeah. really what this gets at. Is is I I really the thing I'm concerned about that. is that on one hand I never really made a big deal about the 1980s and the that's incredible being the quote unquote first you know, global competition, whatever yeah. uh, Guinness and, and Walter say, um, which I never really, I mean, I forgot about it for 15 years. Honestly, sure. my life moved on, didn't think about that. But I do think that there's this, this, this movement to, you know, to, to say that what we did doesn't matter or didn't matter, didn't well, have, doesn't have an impact. And I feel like that's a little bit of an extreme other direction. I think which, I... I can I can appreciate that point of view. I want to tell you that the reason you're on the show is because we feel like you made an impact. So, uh, and and that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about the positive impact of the gamers, and hopefully, we can have Billy on at some point. He can he can uh, he can talk about this from his point of view. Um, but I, I think one of the so two things I would like to finish up with, if you don't mind. Okay. Go ahead. Absolutely. I'm sorry if we kind of went on a tangent, but no, uh, no. And it's, we love this. yeah, it's fine. No, I, your insights are amazing. And yes. thank you for giving and, them. And I, and I hate to cut you short. I just don't want to. Billy Mitchell, video game player of the century, 256 boards over many, many hours, never dying once, never missing a point. I had all kinds of people. Oh, you can't do it. Oh, no one's ever done that. There's no way you can do that. Bet you can't. I'd say don't bet your life. I'm gonna, I'm, I was going to play an audio clip. I'm just going to read it. But there's a quote from PM Magazine 
And this is along the lines of what we were just talking about. And the announcer says, now, if you're wondering what a video wizard can possibly do with these skills, Ben has an answer. And you say, there's going to be professional video game players. People are going to start making money off of them. And then he says, and you want to be there. And you reply, oh, I want to be in the middle of it. And I think that you're basically predicting at that point professional competitive gaming, if not like esports in general, which you probably didn't even realize as a kid. But hearing that that particular quote, what do you think now about all of this going on in the esports industry? You know, it's an interesting question because um, Walter and I talked about this. Two, two, a funny story. So when I was uh, in Atumwa in 2010, there was a guy named Tom, uh, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Jonathan Wendell or Fatality. Okay, you ever heard of Fatality? Yes, yeah, yeah. He's a very so, uh, a modern gamer. Uh, he was one of the first professional gamers, and yep. Steve Sanders and him are good friends. Um, and Steve put his arm around around uh, um, Jonathan, and he doesn't call him Fatality. He goes, Jonathan, <laughs> you're living the life that we thought we would be living. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, having the you know traveling the world, having your own you know, uh, gloves and other apparel that you sell and having the fan base. So yeah. I tell everyone I was born 20 years too early. Sure. Okay. There was, I did, there was no YouTube. I couldn't monetize my fame with that's incredible. I could just enjoy it for a while, but I couldn't create, you know, a Ben gold, um, you know, uh, style of, of whatever video game apparel or something. I just, it, my, it, the technology wasn't there. It just wasn't possible. So well, the, it, the game, the, the industry crashed before I could capitalize. And, and, you know, honestly, Mark, I know Mark for sure, and probably Brian, uh, but as kids, when we watch, you know, shows like PM Magazine with our parents, and that's incredible, with Fran Tarkenton, who was the freaking quarterback from the Vikings that brought us to four Super Bowls that we lost, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, those were those were fun shows. They were like we didn't have we had, well, we had four channels back then. You know, PBS yeah. and and then the three networks. There was no Fox, and so we 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 idolized everything that was on TV. And Ben, uh, I know I mentioned this earlier. You know, Billy quoted you as being you know like you were better than him at all the games uh donkey kong maybe aside you know but uh i know that lots of kids across the country looked at ben gold a 16 17 year old kid and said i i wish i could play as good as this kid and and now it's a legacy that you can look back on and be proud of uh and um and we we respect that i mean i mean like i can i can never play to your level uh, we fix the games. We talk about the symbiotic <laughs> relationship between like the high score setters and the guys that fix the games. Right. And, uh, and I'm like the guy we that's do. happy to get his IO board work on his Robotron yeah, so he yeah, can shoot yeah. left. We do everything that we can, but play the game. Right. So, so you know, <laughs> we're collecting, we're making this history last, but the guys that played it at your level as a kid, are rare and i just want to i just want to thank you uh for listening to us you know be a little bit uh i don't know ingratiating i'll tell you one final story so one of the most there's two there's two memorable moments about that's incredible 
The first one was being in the top three in Ottumwa. And when I became the top three, it was me, Darren, and uh, Todd Walker. And we had our trophies. And you can see that, and that's incredible, where we're holding the trophies, the top three. Yep. And these, it was the only time in my life where I was blinded by the flashes. Okay, where, I don't, you know, being a true uh-huh. star. I mean, you look at those stars, they actually would have to wear sunglasses because of the, the, blind, the blinding of the lights coming in. It was 100 people, flash, 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 flash. I mean, I literally couldn't see for a while. I mean, I, it was spots. It's like looking at the sun. And I remember that, and I remember the feeling like right after that, I all of a sudden was like a celebrity. Like Walter was like, hey, Ben, AP wants to talk to you. Hey, um, you know, USA Today wants to talk or the Tumwa Courier or whatever. I was just like, sure, okay. <laughs> um, the local TV station wants to interview you. This, I was like, okay. But the other thing was that on the day of That's Incredible, I knew that I would get a few phone calls, right? So I watched That's Incredible and I put my phone off the hook, right? Mm. Then it aired. And then, you know, again, before cell phones, um, I put my phone on the hook. And I'm not kidding you. For the next three hours, I'd be on the phone um, and I'd talk. I'd put it down. I mean, it was like that literally for the entire night. Uh, it was just well, it, must have, it must have been like a, a highlight of your entire life to have that happen. I just remember it was just such a such a, a weird thing. And Walter was very upset because because um, uh, that's incredible. Basically screwed him, oh. you know. They took this weekend conference and put it into like one minute or two minutes. Yes. You know, Walter Day has an water down the yeah. house of yeah. didn't even say Twin Galaxies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you know, he was given short strip, but that's because of other stuff. So anyway, so I, it was great talking to you guys. Um, I'm sorry. I know there's some guys here who want me to go through and I mean, <laughs> we're going to have to bring you back for what? Yeah. Here's the, here's the, here's the, there's no way out of it. Here's our plea. Anyway, I mean, I'm not going to, I will say this, that, that again, King of Kong, um, was a hit job. Billy and Steve actually were friends. Yeah. There's period there. There's tapes of them joking together and doing stuff. That was a fictional story designed to sell tickets and to, to make one person's director sure. career um, right. on. And that uh, is, uh, that's what I think. So well, it, um, I would love to, what I, what I would love to do is you have been so gracious to be on the show. Uh, uh, we're going to have to ask you to come on again, I think. Sure. Well, <laughs> because and, we've and just I been having say, a blast. I mean, we've been having a blast. And, yes. I, and I have to say, Ben, like in all honesty, like you have opened like just an amazing history of some of these games. I mean, I have these games and I play these games and I'm terrible. <laughs> I am so much better at fixing them than I, than I am at playing them. But, you know, I have these games sitting in my house and your insight and background just makes them that much more enjoyable. <laughs> and the stories you tell, I mean, I can look at these games now with a different light. Uh, it's, do you have a millipede? Do I what? Do you have a, a millipede? You know, um, one of the other people in this uh, conversation here stole the millipede that I bought. What? Uh, yes, I had a millipede, I and didn't someone steal else it. here. <laughs> <laughs> ben, do you want me to send you my millipede? I'll send you my millipede. I, I will. 
I do have a Stargate and a Defender. And actually, the irony of this is I have, you'll, you may appreciate this because I really enjoy the history of the games. And the Defender I have, and the guys will groan at this, but is actually the Defender that was backstage with Journey in 82 and 83. They traveled the country with a, a true, Journey and a Defender. Story. And I have the Defender that was backstage with them that I bought. He also has Journey's Journey. Journey. We have to hear this over and over again, I'm telling you. Yeah, I, yeah well, you know. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I can't play the game, so i got to have some claim to fame here, you know? All right, well, I have one last question for Ben for the night, yeah. and then we're going to do another show with you. You're going to come back, and we're going to talk about all the things that we didn't talk about because I, I know there's a, a, a litany of things, and, and it's just been a, an absolute pleasure. But I want to ask you, you've gained notoriety as one of, if not the best, and we're, I'm not being all-around arcade gamer in the golden age, uh, and I'm not just talking about one particular game, but as all-around gamers go in that era, you are uh, highly respected, right? All the other players who've seen you play say that you are possibly one of the best players they've ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, you're also a beloved husband and father, obviously. And thanks for introducing us to your kids. Fan, fantastic, Amazing. lovely, awesome kids. Uh, I hope they're having a great time tonight or in bed, whatever they need to be doing. And uh, I just want to say, what uh, what would be your thought about how you want to be remembered in the well, future? Definitely on my tombstone, it's not going to say Ben got forty million on, uh, on Starcade. <laughs> I just the list of score. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. You know, I'll Give. tell you, I, I just want that my kids grow up and are happy and successful. Good. You know, and that they carry the values and that, that they pass on, you know, whatever tribal knowledge I can give them. Mm. That's great. Well, we're going to wrap this up, but we'd like you to stay a little bit after we go off there, just uh, wind it up for two minutes. Sure. Uh, this has been Arcade Radio. Uh, season 3, Episode 8. Uh, I just want to let you guys know, February 7th, get ready for an Arcade Radio first. We're going to interview our first ever Starcade guest. Uh, proprietor of Arcade Fix-It, Mr. Stephen Beal will be on. That's just two weeks away. Uh, so Stephen was the seventh ever on the show to be recorded. Okay. Yeah. It's like you're drowning yourself out, Adam. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not reading the rest of that. So oh, I see. Well, thanks again for <laughs> listening in to the Double R's. That's Arcade Radio and Facebook Arcade Radio or ArcadeRadio.com. That's R C A D E R A D I O dot com. Call and leave comments on the questions and game line, just like Bob.